Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt. A billion. Whether you're in the hole for $10,000 or $10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. Now the Supreme Court is involved, I suspected this would happen. So everybody in the country knows this is a catastrophe at the southern border. Our security has been compromised, a record amount of hard narcotics flowing in, millions and millions of foreign nationals um, being allowed to stay in America unsupervised. Everybody knows that, all right? Even President Biden knows it. The difference in President Biden does not care about this issue, about what's happening. It's obvious he doesn't, all right? But the Supreme Court, I believe, is pretty agitated about it. So Chief Justice John Roberts uh, extended Title 42. It was supposed to expire tomorrow. Now he's extended it. Now what does that mean? So Title 42 gives the federal government the power to turn any migrant around who comes across the border without paperwork, without a passport can turn them right around and send them back to Mexico. It was a lot like Trump's remain in Mexico policy. But Title 42 is based on disease, COVID, and any other communicable disease. The government says, look, we don't know who these people are. We don't know where they come from. We don't know what they've been exposed to. So we can't let them in because they may infect Americans with COVID. That makes sense. That's Title 42. So a dopey federal judge suspended it 
And now the Supreme Court has overridden that. So Roberts has uh, has given to federal government the Biden administration, which wants 42 to expire. This is just so insane. That's why I'm so frustrated reporting the story. Um, He's given them um, to the end of today to file a counterclaim and then Roberts will make a decision. But I suspect he's going to kick it to the full court for a uh, hearing, which would then be in June. Okay, their their decision would be in June. That's what I think is going to happen here. So the issue of Title 42 is in the hands of the Supreme Court. But it doesn't really matter because the Biden administration didn't send very many people back. They allow people in. And we went over this and over this and over this. I'm not going to go over it again. But the Biden administration refuses to enforce immigration law that was passed by Congress and signed by Ronald Reagan, I believe. He just won't enforce it. Okay. now that in itself is not a crime. He can't be charged with a criminal act, could be impeached for failure to uphold the laws of the United States, which is his oath of office. Okay. So now that's what's going on there. But here's how absurd it really is. For almost a year, the corrupt corporate media tried to cover this story up, as they did with the Hunter Biden laptop. They didn't report on it much. But it's gotten so bad with state of emergencies in El Paso and Texas declared a state of emergency. So now the corrupt corporate media has to report on it. They have to. Now, as you saw yesterday, if you watched the No Spin News, ABC is blaming Republicans for this. Incredible, incredible. But yesterday, a Washington Post reporter asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about the border. Go. Uh, Just a question on on migration. The president uh, tasked the vice president with studying and working on the root causes of some of these issues. I'm wondering if there's any update from this side of the White House on what she's been doing and what she will continue to do as we're expecting an influx at the border. Well, as you know, the president uh, appreciates the partnership that he has with the vice president. You're right. That has been her charge to uh, work in a diplomatic way on finding the root causes of, of, um, of migration. I uh, don't have anything to lay out specifically on what that work looks like. Uh, but again, we appreciate her partnership. Uh, and uh, I would probably f- uh, refer you to her office on anything specific on the work that she's doing. Now, how insane is that? So the president of the United States doesn't know, and of course doesn't care, what Kamala Harris is doing to get to the root causes of migration. Now, just think about it. Just step back and think about how incompetent this is that a president appoints a vice president. Oh, yeah, you go down and find out why this is all happening. And then what? A year later, almost a year later, he doesn't know. But he appreciates the partnership. What partnership? No partnership. She's not doing jack. I mean, this it's almost like a cartoon every day for me to report to you the reality of what's happening. It's almost like a cartoon. And it's not only uh, the border that Biden doesn't care about. He doesn't care about government spending. So under Biden, new spending, spending that didn't exist before he was president, is 
stands at $3.37 trillion. A record. $3.37 trillion has been in office for two years. So why should you care? Well, that means that the money you have in the bank, in your wallet, under your mattress, wherever it may be, is worth less. Because Biden and the Treasury Department have to print money to cover the spending so that the money that's in play is less. So if you're going to buy a Van Gogh, there are only, what, a limited amount of Van Gogh paintings around. If suddenly there were a thousand Van Goghs discovered, then the value of the other Van Goghs would come down. You see? No, maybe you don't. I don't know. And does Biden care about $3.37 trillion in spending? No. At all, he doesn't care at all. So that's two. Border, federal spending, slash inflation. As inflation goes up, the more money the government spends. And the third is violent crime. So listen to this. $72 billion a year of taxpayer money is given by Washington to the states, the 50 states, to help with crime control. It's called block grants. And that money can be used for whatever the states want it to be. Okay, federal government doesn't have any say about how it's used. So $72 billion a year. And violent crime in most major cities is through the roof. Has Biden said anything about it? Not once. I haven't heard him say one thing. It's like, okay, here's your money, and we don't really care whether you're fighting violent crime or not, because they're not. They're not fighting violent crime. Does Biden care? No. So you say to me, O'Reilly, you you hate Biden. I don't hate Biden. This is not a hate Trump on the other side of the aisle. I don't. All right? I don't care about Joe Biden. I met him once. He was a standard politician. I had a nice little chat with him for about two minutes, and that was it. I don't care about him one way or the other. I will tell you that he is the second worst president in our republic's history, okay? And then I'm going I'm to prove that in, coming up in a, in a couple of minutes. This caught my eye over the weekend. I, you see, I don't get any time off like you guys do. I have to always be watching and listening. Sometimes it drives me crazy, you know. <laughs> I just don't want to do it. So Schumer and Pelosi have lunch with the CNN correspondent Jamie Gangel, who's been around forever, this woman. Okay? This was December 15th. And I'm looking at this report, and it seems to me that they are gloating Schumer and Pelosi are gloating. See if you pick that up. Roll the tape. I tell people, Nancy instinctively knew how to handle Trump because for her first, you know, 35, 40 years of life, she raised five children and she knew how to deal with children. And that's what helped her deal with Trump because he ultimately was a child. We had a different approach. Chuck is a New Yorker. Brooklyn. Brooklyn. So they spoke their own kind of, they understood each other. What would it mean if Donald Trump was reelected president? I don't think it'll happen. The American people have gotten wise to him. Took a little while, but they did. I don't think that we should talk about him while we're eating. <laughs> Is that classy? I don't, 
I don't know. I thought I'd show it to you. Okay, so um, the uh, cable news ratings are in from year to year, all right, because 22 is pretty much over now. Um, It's pretty grim, pretty grim. So CNN's primetime audience, that's where they really make their money. Primetime is 8 p.m. to 11 p.m., okay, down 33%. So they lost a third of their audience. MSNBC down 21%, okay? Um, Not good. And Fox News is down 1%. In the 25 to 54 demographic, which they call the money demographic. Now, remember, when I was doing the factor, we did a million in the 25, 54 some nights, um, the combined uh, 8 and 11 broadcasts. So that's why... The factor made so much money. Anyway, in the 25 to 54 demographic, CNN down 36%, MSNBC down almost 40%. These are the younger viewers. Fox News down 7%. But in the last three months, Fox News has hemorrhaged 25 to 54 viewers. I'm not exactly sure why. See, Fox News has a built in advantage because conservative Americans, and remember, there are 125 million homes that have television in this country, 125 million. So the conservatives have nowhere else to go. Newsmax is there, but it has not been able to establish itself uh, for whatever reason. All right. So if you're a conservative, traditional American, and you want news, at night, there's only one place for you to go. The liberals divide, okay, between MSNBC and CNN, and then they have the nightly newscasts on the three, NBC, CBS, ABC, which are tilting further and further left. Um, So they have a lot of different things. So they're a fragmented audience. Um, But this is not going to get any better. Maybe the presidential election in 24 ignited viewership a little. But right now, um, only about 2-3% of homes with TV in America are watching these people. That's nothing. Now, you say, well, why do you even discuss it? Because what they say goes out on the Internet. That's the conduit. See, what I say to you on the No Spin News goes out to uh, Facebook and YouTube and it goes everywhere. I don't even know where it's going. It goes all over the world. I don't even track it. My people do that. But that is what happens. They don't watch real time. They watch clips and the clips go all over. So that is why we discuss this. Because if there is subterfuge, if there is lying, going on if stories are ignored, like the uh, Musk Twitter story, which is an unbelievable scandal, um, you need to know it. Biden did his eighth one-on-one interview. So he's only done eight in, you know, approaching two years. This one was done with the hard-hitting Drew Barrymore, the actress slash talk show host. 
Now, I'm going to run a minute of this, and it is almost beyond belief. Roll it. Well, I, one thing that Joe gives me every year is a poem, which is, I knew you'd love that. He has a book that he bought for me, and every year he writes a poem. You personally write the poem. Of course I do. There's a lot to write about. Because <laughs> there's no better present than one that's made, you know, the one you can't buy. Give me strength, give me humor, and I know we can get somewhere together. Well, she's got both of them. I'm usually the brunt of her humor, though. And the boys love her making fun of me. I am the... Of course they do. Yes. Who wants to grow up in a serious household exactly. where you can't right. make fun of things yeah. and, and I have so much to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I am so excited, and I'm looking back at 2022 with such fondness. And as you're going into 2023, I just hope for you for the very best, and I thank you for creating that feeling around for everybody. Give me more credit than I deserve, but thank you. Well, it's that. how I truly feel, and I'm honored to have the opportunity to tell you that. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> so she thinks 22 is a fond year, and she thinks that Joe Biden created hope for everybody. Drew Barrymore thinks that. Okay. She's entitled to think whatever she wants to think. I have seen a lot of interviews in my 50 years in journalism. That perhaps was the most fawning F-A-W-N-I-N-G interview I have ever seen. Okay. Now, just listen, just one stat. So while Drew Barrymore is saying, oh, you've given everybody hope. Oh, I, it's fondness that I'll remember this year. This year. The American people have lost in personal assets $7 trillion. Now, maybe not Drew Barrymore. I don't even think she'd know if she'd lost it, but maybe I'm being unkind. So this is what Joe Biden did yesterday. This. Meanwhile, 200,000 people who don't belong in the United States, cross the border. <laughs> and he's doing that. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming, might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief Programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, 
the dollar could continue its free fall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. All right, now let's get into a Christmas tradition. Now, I've given this before. I've done this before. So some of you listening on the radio and watching on television, you might want to go away for five minutes and, uh, and then come back. But I think it's very instructive. So I wrote a book, Killing Jesus, okay? Massive uh, bestseller all over the world. But it's a history book. It says, all right, a history, Killing Jesus. We do not use the word Christ in the book because that connotes Redeemer. It's a religious connotation. Here's Killing Jesus in Korea. So this, was a, this book was in every part of the world, including the Muslim part of the world. And people obviously want to know about Jesus the man. Okay? So Killing Jesus the book was made into Killing Jesus the movie. I was the executive producer. Roll a clip. Majesty, an alignment of the stars has drawn us here. These stars, they foretell a great event. A child, born in your kingdom, is the God of Israel's chosen, the Messiah. The Messiah. The king of the Davidic line to restore the glory of Israel, as in the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah. find this one child destined to be the messiah knowledge that the day and time of his birth match the position of the stars and the child will give us a sign what a blessing yes find this child send me news that i may come and venerate him i welcome your holy mission Majesty. Okay, so you can see that on pay-per-view. That's Kelsey Grammer, by the way. And um, it's a really good primer on Jesus. So why are we talking about this? Well, because Christmas is five days, and that's what it's about. The birth of an infant in Bethlehem. And it's all historical. So uh, my co-author and researcher, Martin Dugard, went to Israel. Government of Israel opened up all their records. About that time, we read Josephus and all of that. We got unbelievable stuff. And basically, the story is that Joseph and Mary, all right, had to go to Bethlehem to answer the census from Augustus Caesar. 
who was occupying most of the world. And he wanted to know how many people were under his occupation so he could tax the various lands. So they had to go. You didn't go, you're in trouble. And there, Jesus was born. Then Herod, Kelsey Grammer, okay, sent his soldiers in to murder um, the firstborn, any baby that was born within six months. Now, some historians dispute that, but it happened. And Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they moved out before Herod's soldiers got in. And they were mercenary soldiers. Herod was a Jew, but he hired mercenaries because he didn't trust the other Jews because they hated him. All right. So fast forward up to uh, Jesus's adulthood. And he goes and he preaches. And at first there were 15, 20 people. And after a year, there were two, 3,000 people. So how does that happen? Well, you say because of his message, because he was preaching uh, goodwill toward men and, and charity for all and all that. People couldn't hear him. Couldn't hear him. He didn't have a microphone. So he would stand on a hill or he'd be out in the Sea of Galilee in a boat. You could see him. Couldn't hear him. And his apostles did spread the word about what he was saying. But you don't get two, 3,000 people showing up where he is unless there's something extraordinary happened. Now, we are no miracles in killing Jesus. You don't have any miracles, because how could we? To history, there's no verification. What there was and is, is the spies following Jesus for the Sanhedrin, the Jewish authorities, and for Pilate, the Romans, sent dispatches back saying, the guy's healing people. And this is what's drawing the crowds. Everybody wants to see it or get healed themselves. That happened. Now, whether those miracles were real or not, you have to decide. It's a matter of faith. But here's the kicker on Jesus and Christmas. So right now in the world, there are 2.5 billion Christians following Jesus, more than any other religion. Islam is about 2 billion. Um, Hinduism, about a billion, centered in India, of course. Anyway, Jesus of Nazareth, a poor stone cutter. That's what Joseph and Jesus did. They cut stone to build homes. And everybody goes, oh, he's a carpenter. There were no trees. So they cut stone. That's how they built dwellings. Anyway, he comes from a backwater, small town, Nazareth. He rises up to become the most famous human being who has ever lived. How does that happen? We're thinking about in this Christmas season. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith faith. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you, 
and will challenge me intellectually. You're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as expected, Herschel Walker lost. And, uh, you know, that begs the question again, do Georgians really know what they're voting for? Uh, Raphael Warnock, by every account, is a progressive leftist bordering on a socialist. He might be one. Um, So I I think this election is more about Walker up or down rather than, yay, we love Warnock. And, you know, uh, Kemp the Republican who just got elected governor, re-elected governor there, he won pretty easily. So then, you know, you have to say to yourself, who's a candidate? And I was, let's be honest. I mean, Herschel Walker was not uh, an articulate man. He did not really define the danger of Raphael Warnock. I was on Hannity today. I said, look, Hannity, on his radio program, if you had stayed in Georgia, because Hannity worked in Georgia way back, you could have beaten Warnock, because you could have defined what he represents, what he's going to do for six years. And maybe the Georgians would have said, we don't want that, rather than we don't want Herschel Walker for a variety of reasons. Um, This is the talking points memo, by the way. I forgot to mention it. I think that that Walker logistically lost because a bunch of evangelicals, maybe 5%, who always vote conservative, stayed home because Walker's uh, controversies were fairly overwhelming in Georgia. They were. And they were exploited. And, and I know I'll get letters, well, Warnock did bad things and they weren't exploited. Do not expect the media to be fair. They're never going to be fair ever again in this country. That's gone. Okay. Any fairness is evaporated. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen on both sides. All right. It's just not. So um, you have to, the only shot that Herschel Walker had was to explain the danger of Raphael Warnock and then what he would do instead. In fact, he was all over the place and, and he lost and, and I wasn't surprised. Okay, so um, one of the things that was suppressed in this campaign, because I love that, that's my new favorite word now, suppressed by the media, was Warnock's uh, crew, who was in his crew, about the Black Panthers, roll it. Nehemiah X was at the news conference representing the new Black Panther Party. I asked him what made his group mobilize armed men and women at the polls for the U.S. Senate runoff Tuesday. He said the violence black men and women have endured for years. We also see other things like insurrections in the White House. We also see violent protests and counter-protests, a rise in the Klan, a rise in the Aryan nation, a rise in war on other continents. So the Panthers were firmly uh, in Warnock's corner, and I should give everybody pause. Now, there is no truth that we can find that the Black Panthers were out at the polling places in Georgia yesterday. We can find no reports of that. And I know that's all over the conservative websites, but again, it's both left and right. You've got to be skeptical about you, what you see on the Internet. So uh, bottom line on this is 51 Democrats in the uh, Senate and 49 Republicans. So what does that mean for you? 
and me. What does that really mean, you know, tangibly? Let's bring in a guy who knows. His name is Steve Scully. You may remember him. He uh, was on C-SPAN for a while and uh, did a presidential debate. He now is in Washington, D.C. as Senior Vice President of Communications at the Bipartisan, which is why we wanted Mr. Scully Policy Center. So um, most people, I would submit, in the United States don't really understand the inner workings of the Senate or the House. Would you agree with that? No, I would agree. First of all, good to be with you, Bill, and you do offer an important voice in the national dialogue, so thank you. But no, and, and as you have so rightly pointed out over the years, the biggest divide in Washington is not always between Democrats and Republicans. It is between the House and the Senate. So now uh, the Senate can pass any law it really wants along party lines. They'll always win. But the House just blocks it then because the House is controlled by Republicans, right? Not necessarily. Look, the, 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 the toughest job in Washington right now is going to be Kevin McCarthy, assuming he becomes speaker, because he is going to have a four-seat majority. He's going to have the right flank, the Freedom Caucus, at him every step of the way. Just talked to former House Speaker Paul Ryan yesterday, who said the biggest challenge is going to get things done. They're going to have to get things done. But Kevin McCarthy is going to find a challenge every step of the way. So what this potentially could mean, first of all, in the Senate, it means that a Joe Manchin or a Kirsten Sinema can't hold up the Senate because one senator will not have the power in a 50-50 Senate. But right. it could also result in the rise of moderates in the House that are going to come together and say, we're going to work with Democrats. Because keep in mind, where do the Republicans pick up some of these seats? New York and California. These are moderate seats that they want to keep, and so they're going to have to work across party lines if they want to get some of the things done. A big if. It is a challenge, no doubt about it. The politics okay, is going to be fierce. You said a four-seat uh, majority. It's 222 to 213 in the House, right? 222, 213? Right, but you need okay. 218 for the majority. And, All right. Yeah. Now, the way that things work now, uh, thank you, Nancy Pelosi, by the way, if a congressperson, sitting congressperson, goes against the party's wishes, they're likely to be cut off from money. Okay, that's what Pelosi did all day long. That's why she had so much power and lockstep. And, you know, you don't mm -hmm. vote for what we want, then you're not going to get any money. And remember that everybody, everybody, most people know that Congress people have to run once every two years. Now, in the Senate coming up in uh, 24, Democrats are going to have to defend a lot of seats including Tester in Montana, who will lose if he goes far left and votes for the far left. He'll lose his seat. He knows it. And then, as you mentioned, Manchin and Cinema. So there is some room. But let's assume, and I think this is correct, that if it's a far left or liberal bill, the House will block it. Okay? So correct. nothing gets done. And if the House passes something and Biden doesn't like it, he just vetoes it and there's no sense chance of a overturn of a veto. So you've, that, that's the battle. But there are more subtleties involved because the Senate alone uh, confirms Supreme Court justices, judges, all of that. And they'll all go for the next two years anyway, the Democrats way, right? No, you're right. And look, there is going to be a lot of gridlock. If you look at the Biden agenda, much of what he wanted to accomplish, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, first and foremost, uh, has been passed. So they're going to try to build off of that. But there is going to be a lot of partisan bickering. There will be a lot that won't get done. There's going to be a lot of posturing by moderates and, and progressives, although progressives realize that they cannot 
overreach. That's been one of the biggest mistakes of the Democrats over the years is they try to read too much into the elections. And certainly you could argue that they might have done that in the last Congress. But the the moderates really are going to have a lot of sway in the House. There's no doubt about that. Okay, but Chuck Schumer, the uh, Senate Majority Leader, is not a moderate anymore. He tries to paint himself at one. But when a guy gets out there a couple of weeks ago and says, I want to give amnesty to everybody, everybody who's in here. And, you know, we have an open border policy where millions of people, five million at least, have come in under Biden in less than two years. And there's Schumer, once a very tough border guy, goes, oh, I want to give amnesty to everybody. Um, so that's radical left right there. And if they try to do that, an immigration reform bill, there's no way that's going to happen. You know that. It's not going to happen. Well, that, look, immigration is the biggest Achilles heel for the Democrats. And conservative media, Fox, continue to, to hit that hard, rightly so, because it is a big, big issue. But the other thing, and you touched on this, Bill, look, there are 23 Senate Democrats up for re-election in 2024. Yeah. And they want to win. They want John Tester to win. They want Joe Manchin to keep that seat. So they're going to be looking at that calendar and trying to figure out what is going to take away some of the issues that Republicans would use against a Joe Manchin or John Tester to try to build on the majority. They don't want to get in the minority again in 2024. So that has got to be in the back mind of, of Chuck Schumer. There's no question about that. He may posture one way, but the reality, I think, could be quite different. Well, he's a pragmatic guy. But believe me, he sold his soul. I mean, he's not the child. And I know this guy for 40 years. He sold his soul. I asked Biden. I mean, Biden is not going to stand up against the radical left. Now, this is just an opinion question for you because I value your opinion. You've been around a long time. Do you have any idea why the Republican Party nominates so many bad candidates? I mean, look at the guy in Pennsylvania who ran for governor there. He's got to get waxed. I mean, he's, he's saying crazy stuff. Herschel, I like Herschel, not smart enough by far, okay? In Arizona, you had a guy that should have won out there with the border chaos and all that. In uh, New Hampshire, Bulldog should have won, but they weren't good candidates. They couldn't persuade the independents. What is wrong with the Republican apparatus? Well, I think you know the answer to that. I think it's uh, in large part the 45th president. And just go back to, to 2010. Remember, I am not a witch, Christine O'Donnell in Delaware, another terrible candidate. Look, yeah. I'm from Pennsylvania, and I had made the argument that had Dave McCormick been the nominee and not John Fetterman, it could have been a very different race in Pennsylvania. I am good friends with Tom Ridge, a moderate Republican in a state that would only elect a moderate Republican. So there's a lot of dismay among the Republicans on these candidates who they've nominated. I think it's in large part what we saw with former President Trump. I do think now, and we're seeing this, we're hearing from more and more Republicans saying it is time to turn the page. Republicans clearly want to win just looking at it tactically. And so in order to do that, it may mean walking away from the candidate Donald Trump, even though his message resonates with a key sector of the Republican electorate. And he governed well. I mean, if you just look at on policy, you strip all the personality out of it, all the uh, acrimony between him and the press and the uh, opposing party, he governed pretty well. I mean, if you think two years ago today where everybody was, uh, inflation below 2%, uh, everybody working, robust economy, real wages growing, and no trouble with Putin, and I mean, on and on and on and on. But I don't know how the individual states 
um, are so influenced by Donald Trump. I mean, yeah, there's rallies and stuff, but it has to be the folks that make the decision. And there are people who don't like Trump who have won, you know, on the Republican side. So I'm not so sure it was just Trump. I think they just folded. They didn't look for, uh, you know, the best brightest mm. candidates that that's what my analysis is well that, they, but it's all, but it's also bill who's the base of the party that goes to vote in the primary it's that split. is another big issue and, and look let's be honest in our politics today if you want to fix our politics if you want to create the incentive for democrats to cross the aisle to republicans and vice versa you need to make sure that that primaries are such a way that you're more worried about the general election than a primary challenge. And that goes to one of the root causes to the progressives on the left and to the conservatives on the right within the Democrats and Republicans. Okay. Um, Donald Trump has lost some cachet, but it remains very, very powerful within the Republican Party. And yes. I have no idea how this primary is uh, going to uh, play out. But the final question I have for you is, it is assumed that the left, the liberals, the Democratic Party despise Donald Trump. But you're not looking at a Donald Trump today in 2022 who was as strong as he was in 2016. So why wouldn't the Democrats just shut up about Trump, let him run, and they'd have a better chance of winning the presidency in 24? Well, there are people smarter to, uh, to assess that. Look, I mean, right now, Donald Trump could very well be the Republican nominee. Sure. And let's face it, he, he, he's, he's defied odds in the past, and he could be elected with not the popular vote, but certainly the electoral college vote. But I do think, and, and, and you can argue the Liz Cheney's of the world and others, but I do think that there is more fundamental issues. When you have a dinner with somebody who denies the Holocaust, I, I when know, you have somebody, all, all of that I think plays into this. He doesn't live, like, oh, no. he, it's not that he's malevolent, which is what the Trump haters want you to believe. And I know the guy as well as anybody knows the guy. He just lives in his own world. Right. Look, I've been around him, too. He is a very good host. He wants to make everyone feel comfortable. We've been at the White House where he is very gracious. It's a very different tone than you get on his social media yeah, platform. I know, but even even when he does like the Kanye West thing, it's not like, oh, I want to have dinner with anti-Semites and talk bad about Jewish people. It's not what's in his mind. He just doesn't he doesn't see the cause and effect. It's like he was never president. He doesn't see if I do this this is what is likely to happen. And so he's always playing defense. And he likes to play defense, but it's not good for his party and the country, in my opinion. Hey, Steve, have a, a very nice holiday season. Thanks for helping us Bill, out. We really appreciate good it. To be with you. It's good to see you again. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Okay, here is the final thought of the day. As I mentioned before, go to Amazon and you punch up Killing the Legends, okay, the Lethal Dangerous Celebrity, the pop-up, and there will be a whole bunch of stuff there describing the book, whatever, but there'll be reviews. I think there are 2,000 reviews on Legends now and growing. Now, Legends has a 92% favorable rating, excellent rating, from people who have read the book and bought from Amazon. That's higher than any of the other 11 killing books. And I think Jesus is a little teed off. Okay? So I'm going, what is it? I never expected this to be the highest. So a guy named Thomas Moody, he writes, quote, 
a transcendent book that looks at a unique view of death among the popular culture. I thought that this work combined a great combination of history and introspection, and I recommend it right up there with all the other killing installments in this series, unquote. Well, I appreciate that, Thomas. Very nice of you uh, to write that review. The book is more than people think it is. And when you think about our cultural history, what we're going through now with the pot and the kids, that's my message of the day, the pot and the kids, it all started with these icons, Presley, Lennon, and Muhammad Ali. So I hope you will check it out. Now, to make it affordable, because we know every book, every movie, every product is way down because of the inflation. So people don't have the money they used to, had two years ago when Killing the Killers was out. They don't have it. All right? So they're not spending. So we've done something that we hope will be very good for you. Put the three latest books, Killing the Mob, Killing the Killers, Killing the Legends, in one group. And we're giving you $35 off. Now, if you've read any or all, give them as gifts. If you haven't read them, then you're going to enjoy them, all three of them. They're all very different, but they'll all hold your attention. So we did this to um, basically give everybody a break. I'm not price gadget. All my prices are the same as they were last year, I think. And uh, my staff will correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we kept everything the same. And the final thing is we have all 12 killing books. You've heard about the 12 days of Christmas, right? My true love gave to me. So let me give you a tip. You don't want the swans running around the house. That's not a good thing. Okay? So the 12 days of Christmas, you give one killing book each day. <laughs> so no swans, because the swans are kind of messy. You want the swan? What, what are they? Um, there's lords leaping. You want lords leaping in the house? Why do you want lords leaping in the front yard? Right? That sends a message that's very, and it'll confuse the urchins. Hey, ma, there's lords leaping in the front yard. You don't want the lords leaping. All right, you got to feed the lords. Then you got to, you know, give them perks, and they might go on strike. And then the, the lords are going to frighten the swans. You don't want to get into this. All right, the 12 days of Christmas, you got the 12 killing books. Okay. Now, just for creativity, you should buy Killing the Legends just for that. Okay, I will be here, God willing, the entire Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday cycle. We got some, we got Michelle Bachman. I haven't seen her in a long time on Wednesday. She's coming on up. And uh, we are on it for sure. We appreciate all of you listening to the No Spin News on our radio stations across the country. And, of course, watching us each evening. We'll see you tomorrow. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for $10,000 or $10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA 
are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. 